Hello and welcome to episode two of the Mental Health Check-In Podcast. And if you're here from episode one, thank you again for listening and thank you for all the support from the last episode. It was really surprising and overwhelming. If you're a new listener, then my name is Joe Anthony Meyer. You can call me Jam and we're just here to heal together, essentially. Hopefully, what I have to say helps and most importantly, hopefully something that my guest has something to say helps. My guest on this episode is Megan Fiscus, a model and photographer out of Columbus, Ohio. And she had a lot of great, great things to say. And you'll hear me say it again during the episode, but she's got a lot of wisdom to offer. And she offered plenty of wisdom during this episode. And a lot of the conversation kind of concerned itself with dealing with fear, anxiety, insecurities, mainly insecurities about the body and it's relating to the mind and this kind of made me before we go into that conversation i want to talk a little bit about how it made me think of my own insecurities and anxiety particularly during this episode because i'll admit you'll probably notice during the episode before we had our conversation i had a lengthier busier day than i expected and it kind of wore me out more than i had expected and you could probably tell how groggy and tired I am during the conversation because there's a lot of points where I'm just off my game, so to speak. Like, like right at the very beginning, like knowing that Megan's from Ohio, I said she was from Detroit. Then I said that Ohio and Detroit were right next to each other, which obviously isn't quite the case close proximity but not next to each other i was probably i was rambling more than i usually do and because i edit the podcast that means i have to listen to myself over and over and over again and hearing the way i come off i was just afraid that i just say the wrong thing or i didn't explain myself thoroughly enough i was afraid that even during the conversation i was afraid that i couldn't keep up with Megan on like an intellectual level so to speak because she brought a lot to the table dropped a whole lot of gems and I just didn't think I could keep up I'm not I'm still not sure if I did keep up and this was a lot of fear and anxiety just maintained in my brain there's actually even a point that I actually had to cut a section off during the podcast I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to give away the podcast ain't secrets like this but it was like a two solid two minute period where I'm just barely not even rambling, but like I'm just for a solid two minutes, just like I lose my point or I'm trying to find a point and I'm just like I'm slapping my fingers, just saying, oh, what what's that one thing? Uh, at that point, I wasn't even embarrassed of that part. I just took it out because I didn't think it was something listeners wanted to hear. I didn't think you'd want to hear me just think to myself, oh, what's that one thing? And uh, geez, it was uh, it was a little rough to listen back on, but it also took me back to other fears and anxieties I have, like anxieties with even doing the first podcast. I was afraid if I even had the right tools to speak so in-depth about mental health, I was afraid that I may not have healed in my own rights enough to justify me trying to help others heal, be it my guests, be it my listeners. And it made me weary about even doing the first episode. 
and even brought me back to more personal anxieties like in regards to my autism like i am autistic which is so weird to say on a public platform when i i've literally told no one in my personal life this i i was diagnosed with asperger's when i was five years old and i've never really said that to anyone out loud but um i can speak more in another long form discussion but right now i want to talk about anxieties and fears and whatnot like because i bring that up i bring up my autism to say that i've always had this long running fear about how i'm perceived to people physically and mentally how people view me and i never really thought of it as an anxiety until now but in coming to grips with my all of the anxieties i listed in regards to my body and my mental health this conversation really brought to light how to deal with that i think because like megan says at one point the way we talk to ourselves is really important the fears that we think to ourselves are really just internal manifestations of our own insecurities we're judgmental of ourselves because we're judgmental of other people is what megan that's another thing megan says during the podcast and i got to thinking about that and i feel like if anything i hope people take away from this conversation is that it's important to treat your space as a sacred space with your space being your mind we can't control what enters our head be it what someone else tells us or what we just tell ourselves we don't have much control of what enters our brain but we do have control of how we deal with those things we can control how we respond to these fears and insecurities that manifest themselves as horrible sentences that ruminate through our brain it's important to be conscious of the fact that many of these thoughts and fears and anxieties that enter our brain are always or at least often manifestations of our own mind manifestations of our own mind that tell us i hate myself or i'm not enough or i'm not worthy enough or i don't have the qualities to feel worthy enough to other people to be worthy of someone else's time perhaps but a lot of times you can't control what other people think of you but you also don't know what other people think of you you know like as much as i'm often even still afraid of how i come off to other people but on the flip side i also don't know that what i say as much as i'm afraid that i'm not formulating my thoughts correctly someone might make some sense of my rambles and it might help them in their healing process so i need to perhaps make peace with these thoughts and so that leaves the question of what do i do with these thoughts and as i'm even now struggling to say what i think is the best thing for listeners to hear the best solution i can think to come up with is these manifestations are essentially you be it your subconscious your other self your higher being however you want to call it it's a part of you that's scared 
And a lot of times when we're scared, we want to be talked out of things. We want to be talked out, putting ourselves in situations that are coming out of our comfort zone. And sometimes a voice like this is necessary so that we don't talk ourselves into doing something that ultimately can harm us physically or mentally. But in other cases, like when you're saying to yourself, I hate myself, or when you're saying to yourself, I'm not enough, these manifestations or fears come to life in our own head that, and we can't allow it to produce too much of a bearing on us. I'm not sure if I'm wearing that correctly, but you have to recognize that some of the thoughts in your head may be intrusive thoughts. And you have to understand that sometimes you have to analyze your own thoughts thoroughly. Are these thoughts something I need to be worried about? Or is it just intrusive thoughts coming into play? And I hope that makes sense. Again, I'm kind of just rambling at this point, but I thought that was important to to make some sense of anxieties and fears and insecurities as a good preface before this conversation, which I think the conversation, a lot of things Megan has to say come off a lot better than what I probably just said, but I hope that helps and I hope this conversation helps. So I'm just going to mosey on to that conversation right now. Welcome back to the Mental Health Check-In Podcast. My next guest is a phenomenal model and photographer out of Detroit, Michigan, and her name is on Instagram. You may know her as Model Megatron, but today she's Megan Fiscus. How are you doing? I'm well, and how are you? Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, so that I'm from Columbus, Ohio, though. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Detroit, That's Michigan. Totally <laughs> both next to each other, I guess. That's my fault. Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, like, yeah, Detroit and Columbus are close together. Mm -hmm. So first, I guess I kind of want to talk about the connection between the mind and the body, I guess. So, like, I noticed that with your art, the way you express your art, you're very comfortable with your body, which I admire a whole lot. And I want how you get to a point where you can accept yourself for yourself because I feel like if you accept your body then you accept your mind your personality everything that comes with the body so how do you I feel like that's a tough point for a lot of people to get to so how do you personally get to that so um the way that I imagine it is that we didn't choose the body that we inhabit right our energy just sort of existed and then it came into reality I'm sorry my cat is trying to eat a plant. So, <laughs> so we, when we came into reality, we didn't choose the body that we have. So what we have to realize is that we can be at odds with it for our entire lives and believe everything that society says we should feel about it. You know, like our partners in life, our family, like what everybody, all these expectations that we have, we can allow ourselves to be affected by that. Or we can just accept the fact that we didn't choose this. We can take care of it. We can feel bad if we make bad decisions, quote unquote, bad decisions about what we do with the body, but it is really our closest friend. So we can be at odds with it, or we can just accept it as it is, understand that it is an animal and it has animal instincts and needs, and that it is also an emotional body, right? And so, and an intellectual body. So that's a concept in yoga called the koshas 
and they're like layers of um, embodiment. So there's there are a lot of layers. I, I don't necessarily have to go into that, but that's that's sort of how I imagine the physical body and my connection to it. And so it makes it easy for me to just be accepting, more accepting of myself because I choose not to be at odds with it because it is, it is the only thing that will always be mine until I die. Right. Right. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) There's something interesting that you just said that, like you said, the physical body, we're kind of stuck with it, but there's also like insecurities that come with it. And I think a lot of listeners may speak to those insecurities. Like, we may feel like we have to fit a certain standard that society has to inflict on us. Is there, is it possible to embrace your body while not thinking of those societal norms? So, yeah, uh, it comes down to kind of like priorities in your life. So we know that life is extremely short. And if we only have so much time while we're on the earth, we need to spend it doing things that make us feel not necessarily like joy all the time, right? Because we know that with any, any situation, you have to take good with bad. It's a, it's a balance all the time. If you always do something that you like, if you only expose yourself to this one particular thing, when that thing is taken away from you, it hurts you and that comes down to attachment. And so we have this attachment to the idea of what we should be. But if you think of everybody on kind of like a, on a scientific level, we're all like, think about the grand schema of the world right now. It might be hard to imagine just how many people exist on the earth right now. It's a lot, but then compare that to how many planets there are in the universe, right? Think about your existence more as like just a gentle flow of um, science and existence. And I know that these are like big ideas, right? To kind of wrap your head around. And it can seem uh, meditation is one of the best things I can tell anyone to do out there. If you can just even spend 10 minutes a day thinking about one thing like directing your energy toward that one thing and saying to yourself, I am, I am focusing on this. I am focusing on this, right? And just direct your attention, even if it's just your breath, just feeling your breath in your body. That's a really great one. Um, it can help you kind of understand that you are connected to everything. It might feel like, and you are an individual, but it might feel like there's just, no one or no thing out there that could possibly um, understand what it is to be you. But there are many of us, like many, but we're all part of one organism. It's huge. Everything is big. <laughs> Sorry. That's very interesting. You actually said a lot of things that really stuck out to me. The one thing that really stuck out to me was how you said that there's, it's easy to, think of someone as a I believe you said an attachment yeah oh yeah for sure and I want to go back to that but first I want to just ask is there any 
like meditation techniques that you could recommend for say listeners or someone who may have tried meditation but for some reason they can't really nail it down they're still anxiety ridden or stress reduced so especially for stress reduction or even just visualization of something so um if you believe in the law of attraction this meditation will help you with that so um you could during this kind of meditation you could add things to it that would so it's called a yoga nidra and that basically translates into yogic sleep so it puts your body into a very relaxed state and then while you're in that state you're kind of like disconnected from your body so your body is totally resting and your mind is able to visualize things maybe you see colors but most of the time there's like a little bit of additional meditation that's added to it that kind of directs your attention in a particular area. So um, you could have something like a positive or an emotion that you think is positive and you allow yourself to experience that for an extended period of time, like several breaths. And then you try to experience whatever that is opposite, right? So this is the opposite of this feeling. And so you spend a lot of time over here with this feeling allowing yourself to feel it as fully as you can. And the the hard part is to like, and it takes a little bit of time, what that actually means to allow yourself to experience an emotion completely. Because your body does not like to experience uh, something that you perceive as negative. But there are a lot of people that struggle with the positive emotion too, because they think that they're not allowed to experience that positive emotion. So what you do is you switch back and forth between (laughs) my cat is going crazy. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's fine. So um, you just switch back and forth between those two emotions. You make the time shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until you kind of realize that the distance between those two emotions is almost non-existent. So if you are experiencing an emotion that you perceive as negative, it will be that much quicker and easier for you to now feel this feeling that is its opposite. So if you are having a panic attack or it helps you to realize your uh, physiological responses to stimulus around you. So once you become more aware of your emotions, you are able to kind of like manipulate them with your mind because you're building new synapses back and forth instead of getting into the ruts that we always get with our mind, like how we can um, just continue thinking about a negative thing because it's, it's easier for us to think about it, right? We want to be judgmental of ourselves because we're judgmental of other people. We're judgmental of other people because we're judgmental of ourselves. I think I'm going to pause there. <laughs> I don't know if I answered your question, but sometimes I get into stream of consciousness, so I apologize. Oh, no, no, I love that. Like, just just spear all out. Uh, that is very interesting, though. I do have one question. Like, let's say that with the emotion, specifically the negative emotion, like you said, try to have it even out between the positive and negative. What if the negative emotion is so overwhelming that you just can't bring yourself to calm down like if i'm having like you say 
an anxiety attack or a panic attack. The negative emotion I'm feeling is too great for me to get out of that feeling. So what so what then? I think that you manifest things by what you say, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you say that a thing cannot be done, you've already decided that you can't do that thing. Mm-hmm. And so if you think that you cannot shut down the emotion, then the emotion has taken control of you. You need to realize that you are infinitely powerful and you can shut down any, any situation just by realizing what your body does when you experience that. I like that thinking. Like it's, it's like the law of attraction again. Like you, exactly. you breed in the emotions that you not necessarily choose to feel, but whatever um, you're thinking, you, you're breeding like energy towards you. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and that is what affirmations are all about. So mm-hmm. understanding that the way that you talk to yourself is really important. You can change so much about your circumstances or like if you're experiencing unhappiness, what you have to realize is that you're unhappy, first of all, because you'll just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result, which is basically insanity, right? Mm -hmm. So, but sometimes it's really hard for people to realize what it is that they're doing that is causing the issue because some things can be so deeply seated in us that we we avoid whatever it is and that's easier than dealing with it or we think it is but it's like if you could just be honest with yourself and be honest with everyone around you i mean like that sounds like you're just going to go around being an asshole all the time but that isn't what that means it if you want to be an asshole all the time, then that's what it will be. <laughs> but if you want to, you know, grow and learn about yourself, then that's what will happen. Yeah, I think that type of thinking takes a whole lot of time and digging. Like it's it's a tough process, but it's not impossible. I think you just have to take or create the space for yourself to really dig deep into what type of trauma is rooted inside of you? You need to dig, find the root of it all, and then try to manifest solutions, you know? I think sometimes it's really hard for people because, <clears throat> like you just said, dig deep, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I have a friend who constantly thinks that they need to figure themselves out. Like there's an issue. And if they just got to the root of it, they would know the stuff, whatever the stuff is, right? And it's like, you have to understand that you are, all you're doing in your life right now, everything that comes out of your mouth, every piece of clothing that you put on your body, where you live, all of those things have been affected by everything you've been exposed to from the time that you were born and even in the womb or potentially before you even corporealized, right? Mm -hmm. And then up until this point. So imagine your brain like a giant computer. Every time you look at something, it's bouncing back information. It says, 
that is gray. You've seen gray like a million times before, right? And so you know that that is gray. But like sometimes you look at stuff and you don't know what the hell that is. And so you're like, <laughs> okay, here's gather some more information. And so you're just processing and processing everything. And this life that you're leading right now is the result of all of that. And do you know how much of that you can't really control? That's a crazy amount. It's a crazy amount. But you can control your response to what you see. Because you're in control of this and you're in control of this, right? Mm -hmm. Some people would argue that this has been infiltrated, right? By like media or um, our families, uh, people who have opinions and shared them with us, our schooling, all of those things. Um, but with the information that you have, if you're making the best decision that you think at the time, right? So if whatever it is that you're doing, you feel comfortable that you are making the best decision in that moment, then there's no reason why you should have any remorse or um, backward looking, right? Hmm. Like yeah. Basically like take it or leave it, right? Yeah. I mean, but it, take it or leave it like that phrase sort of, uh, in my mind anyway, implies that it's a situation that you're not too happy about. Take it or leave it, right? Yeah, in most cases. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. It's It's not like a, I guess it's more of just acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. you can't there are things that you can't change there are things that you can and you just have to realize what those things are for yourself it's different for everybody mm -hmm. like you said it takes digging and i think that also like you said it boils down to what you consume like like you said certain things in social media for example like if you are consuming too much negative media or even just the news the basic news see a lot of for example something that someone may call fear-mongering for example you're bringing thoughts and opinions that breed a certain type of fear onto you and that fear type of kind of clings onto you and the more you think those negative emotions the more it's just going to affect you negatively it's like food like the more you eat junk food it's gonna affect your body negatively you know <laughs> exactly like that mm -hmm. yes um and i i feel like i wanted to make a point about your point but now i can't remember what it was but you had mentioned something earlier about uh attachment did you want to circle back yes. around okay. yes i'm glad you reminded me about that uh, so you said that i forget the exact sentence you said but it was basically about an attachment be be a person or a thing if that attachment for whatever reason exits your life, it puts you in a sense of despair. Mm -hmm. How do you get, how you start the process of recovering from losing or exiting, whatever that something was? Because be a person or a thing, it's not an easy process for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I was just talking to a friend about how um, sometimes you have a, an attachment to somebody in your life and they, they do something i mean like the communication is not there right mm -hmm. and you feel 
upset by something like personally upset by something that they did maybe it was an unthinking thing right and so now the relationship between you is strained or almost non-existent right because you neither of you really want to say anything to each other when before it might have been like the best friendship you ever had or the best relationship you ever had and it's like when that person makes a decision that kind of just is so astonishingly unthinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just puts you in it. It's like a death. It's a little death of that person in your life. And it's not the death of that person. Exactly. It's more the death of the person that you thought they were in your head, you know, mm -hmm. And, and things like that, the, when you, um, anything in excess is probably going to cause an attachment to it in your life. We are creatures of habit, right? And so if we're exposed to a thing repetitively, in some regards, we desire that thing for the rest of our lives, even if it's something that from the outside would be perceived as negative. It to us was something that was significant. And so we attached ourselves to it. And so a lot of times that's where like your, your identity of yourself within society comes from a lot of that too, right? Mm -hmm. Some incident happens somewhere. So imagine the young you, very um, impressionable and um, eager to please anyone around you because that makes you, you know, that that makes you feel good, but also generally you get more information by being nice to people. <laughs> and so you're like a little information gatherer, right? And this is why to me, it's, it's just so, it's sad that children make up the population, the most of homeless in you know, anywhere, basically. There are just so many homeless children. And your exposure to things when you're young like that is just so powerful. It has such an impact on you. And it doesn't stop, or the, the world doesn't have to stop making impacts like that on you. You can stay curious in order to cultivate that. Um, but man, is it hard to shake things that happened to you when you were young. It just makes your whole perception of love and reality and moral values and religion and just everything, every association that you have is pretty heavily derived from your childhood. You're just a porous, <laughs> you soak up all the information. And so you're just constantly developing uh, attachments to things because they help you orient yourself in space mm -hmm. even. So like when a, a thing goes away, you're like, oh my God, I don't even know like my life without that thing. So like, because everybody uses their phone. So like imagine mm -hmm. forgetting your phone at home or, you know, dropping it in a toilet or something mm -hmm. like that. It goes away. And your life is just like, whoa, oh my God, I can't contact all these people. I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. Uh, you start like getting really panicky, but then 
you know, like I've left my phone at home on accident before and I had a moment of panic, but then I was like, it's like a normal day, but I'm not checking my phone so much. (laughs) (laughs) So it can be very healthy for us to kind of take things that we normally get away and, Mm. and try to function without them occasionally. It's like, you know, how you can develop a tolerance to a a drug or something, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if you take that away and then reintroduce it again later, you'll probably get the same effect instead of having to change your whatever it is that you're taking. Your body is a really interesting machine, and so is your mind. That's what Mm -hmm. that summarizes, too. (laughs) Yeah. Is it, like, sticking with that for a second, like... Should should a person worry if they detach from something too long, they might lose it forever? Like, say, detach from a phone, you never get that phone again. Or detach from a person, just say, like, if you have a thing with a person who you have, um, God, what, was the, what was the word you said? Un, unthinking, I, I believe oh, the word yeah, you said. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and a person does an unthinking thing, and you decide, I'm going to... I need some space from this person a little bit, but if you have too much space, well, if you lose that connection, like, is that worth fearing in the back of your mind? I mean, that's kind of like a personal preference thing, you know, like what you have to do is ask yourself if the effort that was required to maintain the relationship with that person was overwhelming and made you feel like you were compromising yourself, then don't worry about going back to that. I mean, like I said it once, but life is so short. It's, it's really hard to just, you just never know when it is going to come for you. And it's, I'm not trying to be scary, but you should just enjoy yourself. Whatever time you have here. And that is so hard because people say, Oh, enjoy myself. Does that mean go lay on a beach somewhere? And it's like, do you live on the beach? Because if you do, then go do that if that's what makes you happy. But if you live wherever, it doesn't matter where you live. What makes you happy isn't where you live. What makes you happy isn't necessarily the relationships that you have. It comes down to like uh, a very uh, chemical level in your body. Those are chemical things that are being released every time you have a positive experience, every time you have So it's like your body is attaching your mind to things too, right? Mm -hmm. Because your body develops like that feel good. You eat the candy, you feel good. Oh, it's so tasty. I'll have another. Yes, please. Right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And when you're with someone who makes you really happy, that feeling that you get, that really great feeling is like, you know, it's, oh, it's intoxicating. You love that stuff. And I can't remember where I was going with this, but yeah, I mean like, well, okay. So attachment, right? So you're, Mm -hmm. every time you have a good experience with somebody, you, you're going to attach to them. Every time you put the chocolate in your mouth, you're like, oh yes, good. You attach to that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So do you think, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I was just going to ask, uh, do you think that can be unhealthy to either have too much of a person or just view someone as an attachment? I mean, okay, so think uh, it's like independent versus codependent, right? And so Mm -hmm. um, 
And this is where a lot of like really painful things happen to people is because they become very dependent. Their happiness becomes dependent on another person. And you, you really have to realize every single person has to realize, or I don't mean to say it like a command, but if they want to have an easier life, it would be best if you would just realize that, you know, you should be very independent. You should be able to maintain and be happy and <laughs> uh, by yourself, you know, like do things by yourself as often as you can. Even if you're in a relationship, you should go to the store by yourself. You should have a dinner by yourself. You should whatever you want, you know, but understand that your independence is what's going to keep you sane. Because if your life becomes about the other person, what might happen is that you devote yourself entirely to a person who doesn't really have that attachment to you. And when the right impetus comes along, they will leave and you will be like a shattered shell of yourself unless you have built up some kind of um, storm shelter for yourself, basically, you know, mentally and emotionally. Um, but yeah, so like if if you're not careful, you're just going to lose so much of who you are. And it's really important to connect with you. There are so many things that I could say, but like explore yourself in every way. Yes. I definitely agree with that, especially in this whole quarantine time period within. Yeah. I feel like with with so many people being forced into like alone time, basically, or social distancing, however you yeah. want to call it, it gives you more time or at least forced you more time to really make peace with yourself, if that makes sense. Like you need to make peace with being alone. Were, were you yeah. going to say something? Uh, well, I was just going to say that that's sort of really hard for a lot. Like I keep reading these memes that are like, if you didn't uh, start your side hustle during quarantine, then you're just like not worth anything. And it's like, there are so many responses to what is happening right now. There's so many people who are just struggling because they have no money, you know, like, and they don't know where they're going to get it from. And maybe they were living paycheck to paycheck before this thing happened, but now they're like, what are they going to do? And then there are people who are just like, they have so many, so much money. They're just like chilling at home, watching cable TV, like nothing ever happened wondering why, whatever. And so it's like, there are some people out there who are definitely going to see this as an opportunity for some soul searching. But then there are people out there who are just gonna, and I, I was recently telling a friend of mine that for the better part of like two weeks, I would wake up, make myself a pot of coffee, sit at my table, my dining room table, and I would just zone out for hours and then I would eat lunch and then I would zone out again for hours and then it was time to go to bed and that was basically because I was just like in a state of shock I didn't know what the heck was like I am a very um contact driven person I'm a yoga instructor so like when I uh 
am around other people. It's just like a natural thing to be very like energetically around somebody and to not have any of that, to have it all just taken away. It was like, wow, I didn't realize how much I do rely on my contact with other humans. Like <laughs> I thought that I would go live in a cave or something somewhere and I would be totally fine with it, but, and maybe I would, but like, not in whatever's happening. It's hard to exist in this society and not be very contact driven because so much of it is in-person interaction. Now it's all, you know, everything is moving online anyway. So, but I hope that that means that we value the connections and interactions that we have each with each other in person when we can have those. Yeah. I think a lot of people do, but with this current situation, I think that the biggest issue is just feeling forced to kind of stay inside and ruminate with these feelings, I think. Like, mm -hmm. if it was by choice, then it would be a little easier. Well, like, if it was something in our control, but, like, none of this is in our control. We're kind right. of forced to isolate ourselves, and then we're forced to marinate in ourselves, basically. And I don't know about you, but when I first started doing that, when lockdown in Michigan first started happening, it was a tough thing to process. It was kind of scary and just trying to digging deep in yourself is tough in itself. But when you're forced to stay inside and you don't have a moment to really distract yourself, you don't have a moment to have a big group of friends and just I'm going to just detox from these thoughts for a few hours, you know, mm -hmm. and that's when it becomes difficult. But I, one thing I did learn is that in all this, especially as someone who's used to like that, that work driven effort, eh, that work driven ethic of just going, going, going and never stopping. Yeah. When you're forced to stop for me, at least it, tells me that it's important to at least value a brief stop maybe not a complete stop to the extent of this quarantine but if you're working non-stop it's not going to kill you to at least actually it's healthy to actually give yourself say an hour of free time to rather be to just sell in your thoughts do something that genuinely makes you happy or else you're just going to really go crazy in the house mm -hmm. if uh, i feel like i kind of rambled did that make any sense no, no, i i got you mm -hmm. um yeah i mean it's there's it's we're just such a productivity driven society right we mm -hmm. we feel like we always have to be doing something we always have to be working hard you know that's the american dream work hard make mm -hmm. money get big right mm -hmm. and it's like that isn't necessarily the way it's going to work for everybody you know you could work really hard your whole life and and not have money but we have to decide if money is important to us if that's mm -hmm. what's important to us is making money and uh you know like Productivity, it, it depends too, because if you're creative, then it's just like creating things. That mm -hmm. is what you're devoting your energy to. And you don't necessarily um, have 
<laughs> any idea what the outcome of it is going to be, right? Because you could um, do really well or n not well at all, or just be mediocre or, you know, whatever. Um, but like when something does happen and you're um, the people who appreciate what you do, uh, show you love it's like whoa this is this is the connection that exists out mm -hmm. there in the world right yeah mm -hmm. like it's an overwhelming feeling that you're not really used to you know yep yeah and so that is what drives me right that connection um and i can't remember how this totally relates to your question about um Oh, that was it. Okay, so it's to me, it's like when you're driving <laughs> and somebody cuts you off, right? And you mm -hmm. get mad because they cut you off. They did an unthinking thing. But like they might be so in their own personal bubble that they didn't even know that they upset you, you know, that they did anything at all. And so the emotion that you feel toward them is it's basically only affecting you right mm -hmm. so yeah. like you when you have those reactions to people it doesn't hurt anyone but you and so it's sort of like you can almost tell when something is going to happen right somebody's going to do something because you see them fly up in your rear view and you know they're about to like be dumb <laughs> but like maybe they're just they like driving fast they like driving fast and you know and i mean to a certain extent <laughs> that is not cool but you know like everybody has their own perception of what it is that they're doing and how they're operating and they're you can't show me one person out there who has not done something in their car that was totally dumb. Mm -hmm. And you were like, I'm so sorry. Oh God. Oh God. Don't look at me. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's like, we have to have, I think the thing is that it just happens so frequently, but that's just because there's so many people out there. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you have probably not you specifically, but you, the grand you out there um, have probably done something <laughs> to someone that wasn't your best moment you know mm -hmm. and people have moments like that all the time maybe this moment is the time that you're seeing that person do it how mm -hmm. cool is that that you were mm -hmm. there for that <laughs> <laughs> like you said it's called an unthinking thing for a reason like you're kind of like acting on emotion you're not there isn't a thought that comes with it well you're just sort of floating around like if yeah. you think about it, like in your daily life when you're in your car you're probably hopefully paying attention to what you're doing but mm -hmm. if you've traveled the same road before and you kind of expect things you have this perception that that's the way it's going to be when you get on that road again so you know you're kind of relaxed you're a little bit relaxed when you get and that's why they say that you know um, most accidents happen within 10 miles of your home because you know those roads you think that you know what to expect on them and so you're a little bit more relaxed you're not paying as much attention but like that's that's life we can we can get ourselves into very um 
relaxed positions with things and relaxed doesn't necessarily mean a good thing right because Mm -hmm. if we're too relaxed then it means that we're kind of just um being complacent Mm -hmm. about things and then you know sometimes things can get out of control especially when we set a precedent for something that's what i think is the biggest issue and why i wish people would talk to each other more often when they notice something you know like if somebody does something and you're not cool with it if you don't say anything then that thing will continue and continue and continue and over time you build resentment for not saying something or it will always be kind of like a thing maybe in the back of your mind unless mm-hmm. you let go of it which is really hard to do mm-hmm. but i think that in itself is also hard to do because i think a lot of times whether we're in an unthinking situation where someone may say offend us it's hard for us to really say anything about it at least immediately because you're afraid of of triggering another unthinking response or just making someone angry and you don't really want to deal with those feelings so you just keep it bottled up you think oh i'll get over it or it was just a mistake misunderstanding sorry say that again but you don't ever get over it 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 just stays there and it festers and then it's just like god and then you walk away and it's not a good situation with that person you know and it could be prevented if people would just talk to each other and but you're right it is very hard especially when you don't want to rock the boat Mm -hmm. or hurt somebody's feelings or you know but again you just have to realize that life is really short if if you're not if something isn't right with you then that person can probably feel it on a certain level we all feel you know the the disconnect between us mm-hmm. because it'll it'll manifest itself in like uh, a remark like um you know you left your toothbrush here and it should go in the thing and you're like, okay, well, who cares about that anyway, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you set them off because they're like, you never organize or clean, you know, whatever yeah. they want to say. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of just like, you know, it builds from there. And it's like, if that person had said to you, I have an anxiety that is based in organization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when things don't get put back where they need to go, that gives me anxiety. Just say it like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other person can be like, oh, I'm really sorry. I did not know that it caused you anxiety. If it's helpful, I will do my best to organize it. But please understand that I am human and fallible. And there is a potential for me to forget sometimes. So please don't be angry with me if that happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about having those uncomfortable conversations and verbalizing in the correct Correct, correct way that someone will understand, you know? Yeah, I don't know that I would say correct, though, you know, mm-hmm. but I know what you're trying to say is that, mm-hmm. like, you you want to say it in a way that is going to be non-offensive to the person that you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. And so all you have to do is understand that as gently as you and thoughtfully as you can, try to give that information in a way that is not accusing anyone of anything, right? So, like, mm-hmm. That's the hard part because most of the time 
what we were exposed to when we were kids was not thoughtful response. Mm -hmm. And so we can't really do that without some form of um, intentional uh, visualization or like meditation or something. We have to be aware of the fact that it's happening so that we can change the behavior. Like if there comes an issue where if you come off accusatory or the quote unquote, I guess, incorrect way, then the person, rather than try to see where you're coming from or reach an understanding, you things get more money because now the person feels like they're on defense, right? Right. So mm. it all comes down to like word choice. But yeah, I mean, like we don't know how to communicate with each other. That's just across the board. Human beings are really bad at it. And it's not something that we have cultivated because we're totally docile. We're okay with being fed information, right? And so mm. we we also are um, pretty reticent, like these days anymore, it seems like with cancel culture and things like that, like if somebody or something offends us or doesn't fit into our, you know, like if something takes more than two days to get to us, we're like, what is this even? <laughs> mm. Why is this taking so long to get to me? Right. Mm -hmm. So we have this, everything is so immediate. And uh, if we don't like something, we can just like get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Even, even relationships, you know, mm -hmm. like with uh, ghosting and things like that, like people don't have any qualms about just cutting other things or people off. And, and this is a result of our society kind of making us okay with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's just, you know, like, it's hard when you're in a relationship anymore because nobody wants to put in work. And I don't mean to say like, uh, you know, here I am saying nobody wants to put in any work, but I hope that people want to put in work. That's what mm -hmm. I will say, or people will put in work. I'm going to manifest that for everybody because we, we just need to stop waiting for somebody else to do whatever it is for us or pushing things aside and procrastinating about them until they become a big problem. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's worth always putting in the work? Like, let's say, not even thinking of like more malicious acts because like if someone's just being malicious in their intent then maybe ghosting might be the right option you think right so understand that when somebody is acting in a malicious way like you have to and you don't have to but think about that person being in their shoes they probably experience some kind of trauma because if your response is to yell and do mean things to people in order to feel better about the situation, then generally speaking, you are either abused or potentially exposed to, um, you know, like any number of things. Those are not healthy, normal responses. If you mm -hmm. grew up in a, an environment that was encouraging you to speak to people when you are upset, 
um, then that is not something that would generally happen unless a person is, you know, under the influence of drugs, which is also a possibility. And um, it's just, you know, it's hard because that person is hurting you. And so, of course, you don't want to put yourself in their shoes because, you know, F them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it can be helpful for your own personal healing. And that's another. Um, so like the there's a thing called a meta meditation, meta, M-E-T-T-A, mm-hmm. meditation. And it is it's called a loving kindness meditation. And so there are various ones, but this particular one that I'm thinking of, you um, you imagine yourself filled with light and joy or whatever you perceive as a your favorite positive emotion, <laughs> love perhaps. Or, um, and so you're filling yourself up with this light and then you imagine a person that you love standing in front of you. And so you try to imagine that person in as much detail as possible. And you also send them that loving energy, right? And then you move on to somebody who is an acquaintance, somebody that you might uh, have very limited interaction with. You don't really know anything about their personal life or maybe like just small details, but um, maybe it's somebody that you work with right? Or somebody that you meet in an elevator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you imagine that person being filled up with the love. And then after that, you imagine a person with whom you have a strained relationship. And you try to send that person the same amount of love that you sent yourself and your loved one and the acquaintance and now this person. And it can be very, very hard to do that. But the more that you do that, the more easily you're going to be able to forgive that person, but also yourself, because a lot of times you know when a situation isn't right. You see red flags, but you kind of do it anyway, because maybe it's just the only thing that was available at the time. Maybe um, it feels really good at first. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just, again, the human brain is really interesting. (laughs) Yes. Very. uh, Staying on ghosting for just another second. uh, Like, do you think there's a healthy way to split from someone aside from ghosts? Because let's say we do everything that you said, which I think is a very mature way to look at. Let's say that you look at the strain relationship, you forgive them, you try to place yourself in their shoes, but at the end of the day, you understand that there's just no going back. The relationship is just perhaps always will be forever strained. Is there a way that you can go up to that person and say, hey, I I, I don't like where this is going. I don't know if we can fix things, we can try, but I'm not feeling optimistic. I would like to go out separate ways respectfully. Is is there a way to do that with someone? Okay, so probably the first thing that I would do is not approach them by saying that I don't think that it's worth, like if you haven't had a conversation with that person and tried to gather from them, like maybe the reason why they haven't talked to you about the thing is that they're afraid of whatever it is in them 
like maybe it's just something that they are struggling with personally and they don't know how to tell you about it. And so instead of just like their trauma can manifest or our trauma, our human trauma can manifest itself in so many different ways. Right. So like maybe you're in a relationship with somebody and they're yelling at you constantly and they're checking up on you constantly. And, you know, like you just can't seem to be away. Maybe they have abandonment issues that they have not addressed yet in themselves, you know? And so it's like their feelings are manifesting themselves in a way that it, it feels like it's against you because you're the one experiencing it. But it is basically just the manifestation of that. And it's kind of self-destructive, but on a subconscious level, right? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of time people, or a lot of the time people don't realize that they're actually doing that. And sometimes they do because, uh, you know, like they get into the mode of thinking of, oh, well, it doesn't matter because this is just going to end like everything else has always ended in this way. And so by setting that expectation, that is what happens because you manifested that by saying or thinking, right? So if you're going to tell the the person that you want to have the conversation with that you've already decided without consulting them uh, (laughs) that it's over, then that's fine. You are totally valid. You're allowed to do that. But don't expect a reaction from them that's going to be positive because it's, it's, you know, like if you were the one on the hearing end of that, all you're hearing is, I don't want to work on this, whatever it is, right? Yeah. I don't even want to try to be friends because, you know, I, you just have to be open. Just be open to the possibility that that person is struggling just as much as you are with whatever is happening. Mm-hmm. And if you can get with that person before things are like, and and it doesn't even matter if it's like the day before a breakup or, you know, like if it's a friend and you guys are just not seeing eye to eye, then the best thing to do is to be like, look, we need to sit down and talk about this. How are you feeling? I'll tell you how I'm feeling. You tell me how you're feeling and we'll figure it out. I think that's a great outlook. I'm sorry, were you saying something? I was just going to say, if you want to have a relationship with that person, right? Like, so it comes down to like understanding that you're, you're totally allowed to make those decisions. You get to decide who is a part of your life and who is not a part of your life. But um, understand too, that everybody that is around you, every person you see, if you can close your mind and imagine the entire existence of the world, every individual person is walking around and they are on a completely separate journey with totally different opinions. And, you know, maybe you see eye to eye on some things, but your experience of those things is completely different because it isn't yours. Right. Yeah. So like, it's just, to err on the side of compassion is probably the best way to go. But that's so hard, especially if you have been, you know, like no one has shown you compassion or you feel like no one has shown you compassion. It's hard to know what things are when you're not exposed to them. (laughs) 
Yeah. Like and said, so, I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off. I keep thinking you're done. I'm so sorry. <laughs> to manifest that for yourself would would be really hard, right? So mm-hmm. if you can't even conceive of what a particular emotion is, you're obviously not going to be able to create that for yourself in your head. So if you're not exposed even to like, here I am telling you that meditation is the best way to explore that. But there are people out there who don't even know that meditation exists, right? And so a lot of them find their own way there because sometimes your body just knows what to do, right? But sometimes you could spend your whole lifetime trying to find something only to realize that you had it the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough to get to that point, but I think everybody gets to that point eventually, sooner or later. And like you said, meditation is really helpful. And you also said that you're a yoga instructor. Uh, before we end this, uh, do you, are there any like yoga meditations? I'm sorry, just yoga techniques that you think you could recommend to listeners? Yeah. Okay. So like most of the time when you say yoga or when anyone says yoga, they, it, they associate it with the physical practice of yoga, right? But that's not all that yoga is. Yoga is like so many things and it would be really long for me to break them down for you right now. But there are eight limbs or parts of yoga. And so, yes, asana practice is a great way to kind of focus your mental energy on your physical body. So um, asana practice or physical yoga is like a meditation for your body, right? But there's also a really helpful practice um, called pranayama, and that's control of the breath. So prana meaning energy, and yama is restraint of that breath, okay? Or the the life force energy. My phone is doing things, sorry. Um, (laughs) Right, so like prana, and there are many different kinds of breath practices that you can do, but I would suggest definitely if for relaxation, um, doing, um, either Nadi Shodana, which is alternate nostril breathing, but I would not use the, there's like a hand gesture that you can use with Nadi Shodana. So you like block one nose, uh, one side of your nose, and then you blow it to the other side. Um, I'm not going to go too into detail. If you want to, you can look that up, uh, on your own, but the three part breath is also a really great one for relaxation. Um, And so it's basically like you lay down on your back and you place your hands on your belly and you just feel your breath in your belly for like maybe three or four breaths. And then you move your hands up to your rib cage and you feel your breath in your ribs again for like three or four breaths and then move your hands to your chest, three or four breaths, and then keep one hand on your chest and then bring the opposite hand down to your belly and you feel the in and outflow of your breath like a wave. So imagine that your belly is filling with air first and then your lungs and then your chest. But what you wanna do here is don't strain your breathing. So don't make your inhale longer than it normally would be. So if your breath lasts like to the count of three or four normally, then just make it a normal breath in and out. It doesn't have to be excessively long. You just visualize those three areas being filled. And so you fill from the bottom to the top 
And when you exhale, you release down from your chest through your ribs to your belly. And you do that and you, what's really helpful for me is if I imagine it like an ocean wave, the ocean is not the greatest example, but, or imagine like leaves blowing in the wind. So they're blowing this way when you breathe in and you're blowing that way when you breathe out. Or maybe you don't like nature examples at all. And you would just like to focus on the length of your breath. So you can count if that is helpful for you. You just have to find what's right visualization wise or like mentally for you to be able to concentrate on what you're doing. And so you just do that back and forth for, you know, however long you want. Sometimes it'll make you fall asleep. <laughs> that sounds but, really peaceful. Yeah, it is very, it's nice. Mm-hmm. I do it with uh, little kids all the time and they love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for coming on. Uh, one more thing before we go. Uh, I have this segment and on the, on the show where I basically, I call it like giving my guests their flowers, just giving giving appreciation in case we never speak again. And I appreciate the fact that you have this impeccable wisdom. That's why I wanted you, I wanted to talk to you so much because you have this impeccable wisdom. You're very smart and think you're, you have a great thought process. I always found very interesting in your captions. You're, you seem enlightened in a way that I admire and that I hope to find a similar enlightenment in my life. I think you're very talented as an artist, and I think I just hope that your journey just grows and improves in your photography, your modeling, and just overall your life. And thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, don't ever think that we're not going to talk anymore. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) No problem. And, and thank, thank you, you who's watching I, or listening. I, I hope that you enjoyed it. Yes, that was a fantastic conversation I had with Megan. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. And I'm very thankful for Megan coming on as a guest. And I hope that you support Megan wherever it's possible. You can follow her on Instagram at megatron.v2.0. I f- forgot to even mention this during the conversation, but... Her Instagram recently got deleted, so this being her backup definitely help her boost those followers up. You can also follow her blog at modelmegatron.com. You can follow her on Patreon, and you can follow her on OnlyFans. She definitely deserves all that support across the board. And again, speaking of support, thank you for supporting the podcast and listening. So you can also, if there's anything you want me to elaborate on, don't think I explained something correctly, or you just have a general question, you can DM message, talk to the podcast, at CheckinPod on Twitter, at Mental Health CheckinPod on Instagram, at Mental Health CheckinPod at gmail.com. You can hear us on Spotify, YouTube, all of the places you can stream podcasts. Until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. Mm-hmm.